0: Hey everyone, before we get started with today's podcast, I wanted to mention that I'm offering one-to-one emotional sobriety coaching sessions. You can book one-off sessions with me or get bundles of coaching that also include access to the Thrive Sober community. All coaching is to be booked by application as I only have so many places to offer and I really want to work with people who are deadly serious about getting and staying successfully sober. Head over to sassysobermum.com Slash coaching to find out more information and submit your interest. Okay, let's dive into the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm chatting to Aideen from Dublin, and she's turning three years sober in June 2023, which is probably when this episode will come out. So I'll say happy three years, Aideen. Lovely to have you on the show. Thanks for making time for me today.
1: Thanks, Terry. No, and and thank you for for the opportunity. Um, It's definitely a bit of a a milestone for me in my sober career today to come on and speak on a podcast. So thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And so before we go into your story and your background with drinking, let's just understand a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, what you like, just to get a feel uh, for who Aideen is.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So like you said, um I'm I'm from Dublin. I I am living in Dublin. Um I don't know if I'm maybe your first Irish guest on. I don't know. Um I've listened yeah, no. to most of the stories. I don't know if I've heard an Irish person on though. Um,
0: yeah, we've had we've had I think we've had a couple actually. Oh, spot here.
1: Okay. <laughs> I sorry. <laughs> um yeah. Um so uh yeah so I live in Dublin um I'm 37 I work in financial services so I work in asset servicing um for a, a US investment bank um so I work in the anti money laundering department um which sounds more exciting than it is um uh, the role itself is kind of a operational role and um, there is a big element of it that's kind of client service as well and um I would be senior enough um in terms of kind of uh, my position um so there is a good bit of people management and stuff as well um which can be quite challenging and um, also quite rewarding so um yeah so um you know it's it's a, it's, it's a busy job it's challenging uh, but not not too stressful um I wouldn't say it's my Main passion in life. Um, I would be very into my fitness, and I'm I'm really um kind of active. Um, I walk my dog a lot. I have a little Jack Russell, um, Rocco. He keeps me busy, um, so I I, I kind of have the leg walked off him. Um, I like to do kind of hiking and stuff as well. Um, and I'm big into CrossFit, so I do a lot of CrossFit training. I kind of train uh, pretty early most mornings. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, my my big passion, I suppose. I I, I really, really love that. Um, and there's a great community and everything. Um, you know, a lot of great people um, in the CrossFit gym that I go to and stuff. So, um, and yeah, I, I kind of have quite a happy life. Um, I I uh, have a really good family around me, good friends. Um, I, I, you know, I'll be quite close with my family. My sister lives nearby with um, her husband and my, my little baby niece, Emily. So she'll be uh three uh on the first of July so um yeah so that's kind of the main things to know about me I suppose.
0: I love that it's like a double three-year celebration.
1: <laughs> yeah 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 but it was funny because when I was kind of obviously putting some thought into the into the questions that we were kind of going to go over three years is definitely like a kind of a recurring thing here because I, I I bought my property as well like I live in an apartment and I, and I bought that three years ago as well so Three is kind of a a running kind of a number, um, I suppose, yeah. in my story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, and so let's let's dive into your story then. So, describe your life with alcohol. What did that look like? Um.
1: So yeah, when I was thinking about this question, I suppose the first thing to say, like, m- my life with alcohol on paper looked pretty fine. Um. You know, everything kind of um from the outside looking in you know would 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 seem that you know Aideen has a good life um you know I, you know good friends um good family uh was was i've i've always been into um training and and fitness and stuff so you know i've always been kind of conscious of um exercising and looking after myself and and all of that and you know i've i've kind of had a quite a successful career um to date you know i i went to university didn't complete my course and um, didn't really like it. But, you know, I I kind of still, um, you know, I suppose uh, built quite a successful career for myself, just kind of, you know, starting from the ground up and, and you know, learning things from a junior level right up to kind of the more senior positions that I'm in now. So, um, yeah, so kind of from the outside looking in, I would have appeared to kind of have a lot going for me. And, you know, I'd probably come across as quite confident and happy-go-lucky, um, you know, but there was always a bit of a cloud hanging over all of that for me because of the drinking. And I just had no control. Um, I felt there, there, you know, I kind of, and I've, I've heard you often refer, um, on this podcast when you're chatting to other people about kind of the Ferris wheel and stuff, it was very much like that for me, you know, kind of, um, I, I kind of have a bad weekend where, you know, I'd, I'd go out or, you know, I'd black out and I wouldn't remember. And, you know, I'd kind of spend the next day kind of, you know, beating myself up, feeling crap, like obviously being really hung over, um, you know, kind of just, just giving myself an awful time. That would kind of then drip feed into the week ahead. You know, I'd probably get to maybe Tuesday, Wednesday. I'd be kind of back in the gym. I'd be feeling good. You know, I'd be like, okay, I can kind of, you know, move forward. I'll, I'll just put that behind me. But then I'd just go and do the whole thing over over and over again. So, um, yeah, and and kind of like, I suppose to go back to the start like when I was I think I was trying to think I can't really remember I think I must have been only maybe about 14 maybe 15 um when I had my first kind of experience with alcohol um and similar again to I suppose a lot of the people that you've had on maybe from the UK mostly and and then if you if you've had Irish on you know the done thing to do was to kind of go off with your with your friends and drink in a field or whatever so that's what we did um and you know, I, I remember that experience so well because um well I don't because I was so drunk that I just kind of, you know, I was completely incoherent, couldn't walk. Um, you know, I was just complete um I was I was just in a in in a real mess. Um, you know, and I, I was with my friends and it was Halloween and um I had kind of said, Oh, we can all stay in my house now. Nobody, you know, nobody be too drunk, you know, I don't want us to get caught like by my parents and I was the worst then and <laughs> out of everybody. And we came back to mine, you know, like we obviously woke my parents up making making noise. And I remember my mom kind of coming in and she just looked absolutely horrified. She was so shocked. And I think she was obviously so worried about me and everybody else. And um and the next day then obviously, you know, I I felt horrendous and but I kind of was just like trying to like kind of brush it off or kind of you know pretend like nothing had happened and and that's kind of what I did then that was the start of what I would do then kind of in 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 all the different scenarios that I found myself in when it came to my drinking and, and you know I'd just kind of be like okay it's fine move on you know and I just I just carried around so much guilt and so much kind of um, shame around it you know that it just it just ate away at me um so much over the years and then I kind of got progressively worse then, kind of into like my mid to late twenties. Um, I, I, I like I, I met somebody kind of in my early twenties, and we were together for nearly ten years. Um, so we were together for probably maybe four or five years in, in in Dublin, and then we actually moved to Sydney, um, to Australia, and we lived there for um five years before the relationship broke down, and and I moved home, and he stayed there. Um, so like that was obviously. A good chunk of my kind of adult life um spent with with him, and um yeah, it kind of caused a lot of problems in the relationship between us, you know, um now, part of the reason why it kind of got worse was because of the relationship because you know we we weren't really right for each other, and mm. um you know he kind of was a bit controlling and stuff, and uh yeah, like there was a bit of badness there, I suppose, that kind of you know grew as as we. as as the years went on that we spent together. Um, so I essentially wasn't really happy in myself and kind of obviously that came out then in, in my drinking as well. And, you know, there was some really awful times in Sydney kind of, you know, where i like, I was just in a really, really bad way, kind of, you know, as a result of drinking too much. And it kind of got a bit dark for me then kind of in terms of how I was feeling in myself and, you know, um, yeah, just that, that that as I said, that kind of like the cloud kind of almost got darker and darker and um, the relationship broke down then anyway. And, and that was a pretty traumatic time kind of. Um, I had to kind of make the choice then to, sorry, well, I decided to move back home to Dublin. He stayed there. So that was a massive, massive transition for me to kind of mm-hmm. obviously come to the end of being with somebody for that amount of time um and then cope with all the change um you know of moving back home and I moved back in with my parents um and obviously like um my parents were a fantastic support to me they always have been um you know and so like obviously it was good to be back with them but equally it was really hard because like I'd been off living in Sydney having a great time you know living independently like had really good friends and stuff and you know, had a good life over there as well. So kind of had to come back and kind of start again essentially. Mm. Um and yeah, like I I just I was drinking a lot still then kind of living at home and um again though just all the all the time just kind of brushing it under the carpet. I think I used to I used to think to myself as well. Like I like I kind of it was kind of like I had like a split personality because like part of me like knew that i was a really good person and that you know i had a lot going for me and that you know i had a good job and a good life and good friends and good family and you know i was into my training but then the other half of me was like doing this kind of self-destructive behavior that i just couldn't get out of and i used to like i used to feel so uh confused and so hard done by because like i was like why why am i like this why do i have this problem and um you know, I just I I, I remember I, I would have always thought to myself kind of in, in when it got really bad, you know, in kind of my late 20s, early 30s. I used to think to myself, the only way this is going to change is if something really bad happens to me or something, you know, if there's something awful that happens, that's going to be what's going to kind of change this for me. um, Or I'll just stop. And, you know, but then I wouldn't kind of. So. Yeah, it took me a long time to kind of get to the point then when I decided to stop. I'm trying to think if there's anything to, else to mention about the whole relationship with alcohol, because, yeah, I can see you nodding to like a lot of what I was saying there, Um
0: Yeah, it's interesting, actually. Um, I was writing as you were talking and I wrote cognitive dissonance. Um, and Annie Grace talks about this a lot in her book, This Naked Mind, where everything on the surface is going very well. And you feel like you should, you know, inverted commas, because that word is annoying, isn't it? Sometimes this whole should, we should feel this way, (laughs) but you know, you should be living your best life because you've got everything. You know, you're ticking all the boxes of what does a successful life look like? But yet inside there's this turmoil, there's this inner battle. And I don't know about you, um, but I, I really relate to what you're saying because I used to really suffer with that. And I suffered with that for a long time, even in all of my 20s, going out with my girlfriends or, you know, into parties, having a great laugh or what I, you know, at the time felt like was a great laugh. But then having all this stuff afterwards to deal with, including how I felt about myself, how I had the guilt and the shame and how I picked myself apart. Why can't, you know, why, why am I like this? Why can't I just control it? Why do I have to go so far? Everyone else looks like they've got their shit together and I just don't feel like I have. And I remember talking about it with some people or some friends and it just being pushed down, like, no, it's not an issue. You're fine, you know, stop don't be so hard on yourself, Terry. Yeah. You know, you're, and then I would feel shame about that as well. Like, okay, well, obviously I'm just, you know, I'm just being too hard on myself. And why am I being too hard on myself? <laughs> and it Just being this like massive loop of just really confusing feelings. And, you know, this, this is that cognitive dissonance, isn't it? And this is kind of what you're saying that you had. And I also really relate to what you said so clearly at the end that, you knew that it was just good. There was only kind of like two routes or that worst case scenario, it was going to take something really bad to stop you drinking. And I've talked about this before, but I felt like I was on a knife edge towards the yeah. end of drinking, that I literally... I was so afraid that I was going to do something so stupid, like get in a car and run somebody over, or just do yeah. something really devastating, and um, mm-hmm. or fall down a flight of stairs, and and you know that's it for me, you know, game over. Yeah. And I just I was so afraid of that, like I was haunted by that. I suppose now looking back, that 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 was my like gut feeling or that thing that we have inside. It's just saying like, wake up, <laughs> you know, I know. You've got to stop. But it felt like I, until I got to the point of stopping, it felt like I couldn't get there. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and uh, it, I, in some ways I had what people call spontaneous sobriety. I always knew that I needed to do something, but I'd never really thought that I could stop drinking for good. And when I woke up after another night out and I just, I don't know, something had, I woke up and I was different and I got to the point where I just thought, I can't do this anymore. And yes. it's almost like that That day I woke up and thought, that's it, I'm never going to drink again. Then <laughs> I just, I just yeah. had that thought, that was that. Um, what was it like for you? So talk about the, the day you woke up and, and stopped drinking. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, so... Um, uh... I mentioned I, I bought my place um, there just around three years ago. So, um, and that was just when COVID was kind of starting off. Um, so, uh, I bought, yeah, I bought the place and I moved out then um, from my parents in, into the place and um, the drinking kind of like, you see the thing is and I know a lot of people on your show are the same like it's not like they're waking up and they're brushing their teeth with vodka or anything like that you know it's it's you know like the the clue is in the name of of the podcast you know with everyday people so i mean i know obviously you've had people on with with kind of you know uh like on a, a kind of a, a broad spectrum kind of in terms of where they were at with how serious their issues were with alcohol or the relationship um you know like, I I kind of was never at that kind of, you know, drinking during the day or anything, but when I moved in anyway, you know, I was kind of making my way through a bottle of wine kind of nearly every evening, and, you know, or maybe more, and, you know, a gin there as well, and I kind of just, you know, like, it it kind of just started, like, I moved in, and and kind of, you know, within a week or two, I I kind of was, like, I was drinking nearly every evening, like, um by myself, you know, kind of, it it was a And like at the time again it was massive change going on because I had been you know living obviously with my parents you know I bought this place and you know it was obviously a big achievement and you know it should have been so exciting and kind of you know a a new beginning for me but like I just put myself under so much pressure because I was thinking okay like this is it now And, and, and as well it was difficult for me because um it was difficult to come to terms with, well, you know, like when I was younger whatever, or when I was in that long-term relationship, like I never would have envisaged that my future was like buying a place by myself and, you know, living in it alone. And Mm -hmm. so that was a lot to kind of deal with um, at the time. So yeah, I just wasn't really coping, I suppose, with all of that change and and the pressure that I was putting on myself. Uh, And we had COVID obviously going on as well, sort of lockdown. So Uh, I would go down and work in my parents' place at least a couple of days in the week to kind of break it up so that I wasn't kind of, you know, completely isolated. But, yeah, I kind of was just, you know, drinking away and kind of then like waking up the next day, really hungover and I'd be going to myself, this isn't really right. Like, I shouldn't really be doing this. Like, there's something that's got to give here. and. Uh, I might mention as well actually I did try and stop like a couple of times um well more than a couple of times when you know when I lived in Sydney in particular like I I went to like uh counselling a little bit um you know but that was more so because I was thinking oh like I I I just I had better stop you know it wasn't kind of like it was nearly and as I said the relationship he was quite controlling so it was kind of in your you know like he was kind of saying like you need to stop and it was kind of nearly for his benefit more than my own that I was trying to and you know the life that we lived over there obviously there's a lot of partying going on and you know we just like you know the weekends kind of revolved like around being quite sociable and in the job that I was in and everything so it was a very very difficult environment to be in to try and even consider stopping kind of so um Mm. Yes, yeah, so there'd been kind of many times before where I had kinda of thought about stopping um and tried and then didn't and yeah, so um but then anyway, yeah, so I kinda of just uh the day or, or or the day before, I suppose my, my last um when I stopped, I it was a Sunday and I was over with my parents having dinner and uh you know, a normal day and came home, um drove home to my place, but on the way home I was like, "I'll get a bottle of wine in the supermarket." shirt, sure. you know it's what, like, I, that you know. That, so I stopped off, got the bottle of wine, went home, drank the bottle of wine, bought the red wine, and then similar to what I'd been doing, I said to myself, "I'm gonna go off and get another bottle of wine." So off I went. You know, across the road to the to the shopping center where there was a an off license, got another bottle of red wine, sat there, drank that, uh, blacked out, kind of thing, fell asleep on the couch, woke up, went to bed woke up the next day on the Monday felt like absolutely rotten the anxiety I had was just through the roof it was like my skin was crawling I just I I felt so anxious um I had to work I was working from home you know so I was trying to get my head together for work I had a guy in the house doing the carpet because I'd obviously only moved in so he was laying carpet like banging away so and then my uncle also stopped by because he was doing a couple of odd jobs for me. Um, you know, the fact that I'd only moved in. And uh I was sitting talking to him and he was I'd offered him a cup of tea and he was having a cup of tea and on that like I I so wanted to say, help me. I, I, I really mm. just wanted to say to him like I'm really struggling here. You know, it's like, but then at, at, in the same breath, I didn't want to put him in an awkward position or, you know, because he wouldn't have had any idea that I had all these kind of um problems going on. Mm. So, but just it was a really awful day because, as I said, the guy banging away doing the carpet, trying to talk to my uncle, trying to work. And I just kind of decided, I just said to myself, okay, I'm going to have to reach out to somebody here. So I, I contacted my brother. My brother actually worked nearby um, at the time. And I just, I just messaged him or I, th- I can't remember if I messaged or, or, or I called him and I said, I need you. Can you just come around after work or like, so he was straight around to me and uh, I kind of just told him, I just said, look, this has been going on. You know, you know, I've probably always had a bit of an issue with drinking, but it's gotten really bad. You know, I don't know what to do. Um, like, it's it's been very tough since I've moved in. And so he, you know, he was great. And he kind of just said, well, look, you know, go and go and talk to mom and dad and you know just like have a chat with them as well about it and you know so I did and you know kind of went and kind of stayed in their place that night and um I already felt so relieved because I was like okay I've actually been honest now for once and I've actually really kind of not owned up because you know that's probably the wrong term to use but like it was it was just such a relief to kind of finally just say I have a problem I need help um yeah. you know and yeah so and yeah, and that was, and then was it the next day? I think I took that day off work. And then the following day, I, I, I was working, but it was the day before Um, my sister was due to go in and have my niece because she was going in to have a, a, a planned section. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and she came around and everything to my place as well, like made me sandwiches. She was like Aww. about to give birth and she came around. <laughs> so, yeah, like it was just. um they all kind of rallied around me and, and it was, and it was great, you know, but, uh, and then, yeah, kind of just, that, that was, that was, that was the last time anyway, it was that Sunday when, it was when, when I had like my last drink and yeah, um, with, like, I suppose for everybody, it's the memory is so kind of clear of when you kind of decided and, um, and it kind of then from there was, Again, as I said, like, relief is the word that comes to mind because, like, I'd finally just accepted, you know, that I was going to do this. And I just kind of... And and sorry, I was in therapy. I'd gone to... When I moved home from Sydney, I moved home in the March. And then in that June, I started going to see a therapist on a weekly basis. So it took me two years in therapy before I actually... um, stopped drinking so and obviously it was a a, a running topic um, in those sessions yeah. you know and I'd kind of sit there and say it's where all oh, it happened again like I blacked out whatever and we'd talk and you know when I was in therapy I was always trying to find a reason I was always kind of looking to get this light bulb moment where I'd uncover some big horrible horrific trauma that was so like Buried so deeply in my subconscious that I, you know, wasn't privy to it. And that never happened. The therapy for me was actually just processing because a big part of the reason why I I have an issue with alcohol is down to... Well, actually, now I'm a bit different as a person. So, Well, I'm a lot different as a person. So probably the person that I am now may not actually have that problematic relationship if I was to ever drink again, not that I ever wanted, but the person anyway that I, that I was from quite an early age was somebody who kind of bottled everything up and, um, you know, wasn't really able to kind of uh, show emotions or speak about kind of how I was feeling. Uh, I kind of, I don't know, I don't really know why, but I kind of saw it as like this big sign of weakness or something or, you know, that, I kind of just had to hold it all together and you know they're like mm-hmm. it's better to just kind of deal with things yourself like you know don't let anybody know that you're suffering or you feel this way or that way and um so because of the fact that my mind was was wired that way obviously then when you have a drink well you know you get a bit chatty and you kind of start talking about how you really feel mm-hmm. and so it was a massive outlet for me in, in that way and um, you know my friends would have always said that to me they'd always say like when you have a few drinks on you, you'll, you'll tell us how you really feel. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so like I I, the therapy really helped me because all I had to do was go and talk every week, (laughs) week in, week out, I'd just go and speak. And it was only then kind of, I, I, I went after I quit, I still, um, you know, persisted with it for, I think about another year. And then I just got to a point where I just kind of knew I was kind of good, you know, good to go. And I was, I was all right then, but, um, yeah, they're the not talking about stuff and kind of, uh, and, and, and in the, in the long-term relationship that I was in, uh, the dynamic of that, uh, fueled that further by like, he was quite stubborn. So whenever an argument presented I learned very early on that there'd be no point really in arguing because I was never going to win. So I used to just kind of internalize everything and, and not tell him, you know, when he was bothering me or if something, like something even silly, like, you know, you know, when you live with somebody and they, they leave their socks on the floor or they do something, like every little thing that bothered me, I would just keep to myself and I'd just kind of internalize it. But then obviously they had a few drinks on as well. Like we used to have arguments with him and he'd be like, you arguing like you know you brought up this this uh, this big ar- argument about nothing and it wasn't about nothing. Do you know what I mean? Because, sure, mm-hmm. he wasn't aware obviously of all of the things that yeah. I was feeling. So, yeah, I think I went off on a massive tangent there because I can't even remember what um what I was saying.
0: No, I think it's fascinating. Like I was I was uh, scribbling away as you were as you were talking. Um, and I think what what I understood there is that. I think the difference this time for you, and, and again, there's a lot of similarity actually in, in in your story and my story. Um, I, you know, was also in a relationship um for a long time. And um I I think I felt probably that I didn't have a voice in that relationship. And that and that's not to criticize my my ex at all. I just think for whatever reason the the, the dynamic that we had. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have the confidence uh to really push for my needs to have yeah. my needs met. Yeah. Um, and I internalized that and my drinking got worse in that relationship. Um and I actually had one or two times that I went sober in that relationship as well again more for external reason yes. and not really driven by internal desire to, to stop drinking just because I thought it might help the relationship um and so there's a lot of similarities there and I think um what you were saying which was really interesting about um the the the, th- the therapy is that you know that allowed you to practice that skill of being able to talk about your emotions. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like what I find as well in this community and the people that I have in in my community or that I work with um, in, you know, in terms of coaching, but I think there's a lot of people that are afraid to be who they really are. um, For whatever reason, you know, they don't feel comfortable or confident to, stand in themselves I want to say stand in their power but I appreciate some people might think well I stand in their power what you're about but you know just as in like stand in themselves and be who they are and be authentic and 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 feel like that's okay you know be accepted for that um and so, I think a lot of us internalize a lot of us as in drinkers, internalize what we're what we're what we're really feeling, or maybe we're that comes out in people pleasing and we do things because other people want us to do it and not because we want to do it and these are yeah. very, very common threads that tie us together in this sort of this 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 world that we're in where we've had problematic relationships with alcohol and and then you know getting getting sober. I think what's really nice about obviously this time for you is that that came from you you know you had the desire to want something better than than what you were kind of involved in i suppose yeah. um, and that is the best place <laughs> to launch into sobriety because if you if you if you're not really doing it because in your heart you really want to or if you're not stopping with a hundred percent commitment and what I mean by that is you really accept that you cannot moderate like yeah. you know yeah. that's, that's got to be off the table if you don't go into it like that it's always going to be a struggle and it was interesting when you said that you know, that you felt like perhaps now I would be able to take it or leave it. I bet you wouldn't actually, because unfortunately your brain, you know, a lot of people say when they stop and you you don't want to go there anyway, but, you know, people say when they stop drinking and they go back. And I know this as well, because I did eight and a half months of sobriety when I was 30 and I went back and I drank harder. The nice thing is that you're in a position now where you just don't want it because you don't see any value in it. Yeah. Um, that's what happens when you get emotional sobriety, right? You just don't, you just, you're just not interested in it anymore. And so it wouldn't add anything to your life because you've learned how to cope with life without alcohol. And that's a lovely place to be, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but I think sometimes people do think that maybe if they go back, it might be easier or better. And I think everybody is surprised how different that it is in their mind compared to reality. My experience of people is that they go in further or deeper or drink harder. And, and actually, yeah. you know, it is a drug and, and and the brain remembers like, oh, this is like riding a bike. Woohoo, yeah. lights are on, let's go. Dopamine, 15 out of 10, bang, bang, bang. Um, and actually nothing good ever comes from that. It was funny when you were saying, um, not that I owned, owned up because you don't need to own up, but I was thinking when you were saying that, it was just that you owned it, you know, you yeah. owned where you were and realized i want to do something differently and that your family kind of rallied around you i think that's so nice but what else did you do to help yourself get sober because obviously it's a massive change right going from drinking a bottle a night or most nights and then and then nothing uh yeah what, what what else did you do
1: so i'll talk about first of all some other kind of external factors that uh unbeknownst to me at the time were Gave me massive assistance and support, and then maybe that might lead me on to talk about some some other things maybe that I did. But like at the time when I stopped, um, my niece was born. So that, like, from the moment I met her, I felt this kind of sense of obligation. Like I became an auntie. So you know, I just kind of you know really wanted her to grow up and see me as you know a, a role model and somebody she could go to and equally somebody then if my if there's an emergency my sister could call me or you know I remember thinking at the time I don't want my sister to feel in any way concerned about asking me to babysit or something if I was to have a drink or you know and I never I never said that to my sister but I did have that kind of sense of responsibility at the time and that was a massive thing that kind of kept me really focused at the start and still still does because when I look at her now you know obviously kids grow and develop at at such a such a quick you know they they just before you know it, they're walking and the next thing they're talking and you know all of that development that I've seen in her has been a reflection of my growth kind of and you know I feel like re like a a really strong kind of bond with her because of that kind of maybe more so I don't know I mean I'm, I'm obviously going to think I have an amazing connection with her so I'm sure every auntie probably feels the same but um there, there there, there was that and it was obviously kind of an exciting time as well that she was only just born and you know it was the first grandchild in the family so that was massive assistance to me to kind of you know put one front of the one foot in front of the other and kind of just get through day by day and then on to weeks yeah. and, and months um and then as well I when I bought the place um I, I kind of bought a a bit of a bigger place than I had intended to, um, and the plan then was to be, to rent a room out, um, you know, for a couple of years, kind of just more for financial kind of reasons, more than anything else. But that actually, so I, I, you know, I I, I had a lovely um girl come and come and live with me for, she moved out there just a few months ago, but, um, she's from Kerry, um, in Ireland. So, uh, she came, you know, and, and, uh, rented the room off me and, and moved in and, um, she having somebody here was well, it was company for one, um, but also it gave me kind of a real stability, kind of in that. And again, I kind of acquired this kind of sense of responsibility as like a landlord because I was like, okay, well, you know, I can't be kind of, you know, like I have to make sure she's happy in in the living situation and. You know, um, you know, I have to make sure that the the house is running well, and you know, like there's hot water and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah. um, you know, that gave me kind of a real purpose as well, and 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 it was good company because we were in lockdown as well, so we were working from home. So, you know, there was that going on, um, and also, um, uh, what else? And then a few more months into it, again, like I got my dog, and again, that was kind of a real acknowledgement that okay well I can you know I can I can I can look after an animal now and like a like a dog has a lot of responsibility um so you know that was a real kind of uh milestone I suppose as well early on only probably maybe about four or five months in um and so with my niece and then the um the girl that was living with me that was the start of kind of encountering people who just knew me as Being sober, so like, as in, and 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 the fact that I could kind of say to the housemate, "Oh yeah, I don't drink," and that's literally all I had to kind of say, you know. So, um, and that and that would have been, and I know we'll get on to talking about tips and whatnot, but that would be a big tip from me. In that, when you meet new people, like, and and you do meet new people, obviously, all the time in your life, but like, particularly when you go sober when you meet new people and, you know, and obviously it's not the first thing you're going to say to them, but like the more you say, I, I don't drink, the more you just kind of like, mm-hmm. you you believe that as being like part of your, your existence, then, you know, it's not like, Oh, I used to drink or, Oh, I gave up drinking. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. I don't drink. So this mm-hmm. new housemate knew me as didn't know the old me. Um, you know, she didn't ask any questions either. You know, she wouldn't be a massive drinker herself. Um, and then obviously knowing that my niece will grow up, kind of never known me as, as, as having a drink. Um, you know, that was kind of the start of it. It's just kind of all evolved since then. Like, you know, in my, in my CrossFit gym that I'm in, you know, I didn't know any of those people when I used to drink. So again, you know, it's this, this new identity kind of that has just gotten stronger and stronger as, as the time has gone on. So um, the result of that, uh, obviously I had my therapy still um kind of ongoing so you know continue to kind of just process and, and talk in those sections every week which was you know tiring but like it was it was necessary and I'm so glad that I stuck with it because you know that was that was a massive um help as well um and then I didn't really kind of explore much of the kind of what's out there now that I'm like, as in even, you know, your, your page and stuff and listening to podcasts. I really only started doing that kind of in the last maybe year or so. Um, I didn't really engage too much with looking for kind of, you know, outlet like, or, um, reaching out to kind of the sober community. I didn't really kind of do any of that. Um, and then also just to mention as well, COVID in some ways was so positive for me because I could essentially hide under a rock for a bit and I didn't have to be out in social situations and explain and talk and you know because anyone that decides to stop drinking and I know from listening to all of the different people that you've had on there's this massive fear and this massive like oh my god what am I going to say to people Mm -hmm. you know people expect me to be you know and like I would have always thought of myself as like the life and soul of the party like now I'm like it's was probably really annoying but like you know I kind of like to think that you know that like that would, would be kind of how people would look at me so there was obviously then that like that massive fear then of like oh well what are people going to think of me now and you know but I didn't really have to deal with that because like everybody was just living in their houses and not really mm-hmm. seeing anybody for a long time so that mm-hmm. that really helped me as well um you know kind of mm-hmm. just because time passed and you know yourself, time is a healer. So as the time went on then and we were all kind of allowed back out into society, well, when that happened, kind of I had already, you know, done a lot of work on myself and mm. had that time to kind of let it sit and, you know, get used to being an that doesn't drink. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. There's a, there's a lot of things that sort of lined up, really. I loved what you were saying about you just become that person you know yeah. you're not like oh well actually yeah I, I used to drink and 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 now I'm trying to get sober or I'm, or I'm not you know I'm not drinking it you know whatever whatever the story is yeah just um you're just you're just a non-drinker you just don't drink yeah yeah and and I love that you that you created almost like that network of opportunities to be able to you know be the New version of yourself as as an auntie, be the new version of yourself as a as a dog mom and have this responsibility. Be the new you with your with your lodger. Um, so it's interesting that you know what kind of led you to the sober community or like you say, the podcasts and things? What, you know, what how did that kind of come about for you? Yeah.
1: Like I remember, um, this was before I got sober and I read a book and this is the only book that I've ever read about uh, quitting drinking or, or being sober. Um, and it was called the sober diaries. Um, so is it, uh, Poo- Poole is the, is it Claire? Claire? Claire
0: Pooley. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I actually had to text my mom the other day cause I couldn't remember the name, but she read it or she, well, she listened to the book actually, um, after I would kind of told her about it, um, she was just kind of curious as well. um, I remember reading that book and kind of, you know, she talks about the wine witch and this and I was I could really relate to it. I was like, oh yes. yeah, like I could I, there was so, so and it was just it was quite a simple story, but it was so I res- it resonated with me so much and it kind of played in my mind a bit. Um, you know, as in in the build up to when I quit and stuff. But yeah, because I think I had the therapy, I felt it, I didn't kind of really look to kind of um, mm. you know, get involved and I think just I suppose as the time has gone on or as I've kind of um, grown, I kind of just got more interested in kind of just wellness in general and kind of, you know, uh, listening to podcasts and kind of educating myself, I suppose. Part of it maybe would have been because um, I didn't mention when I was talking at the start about myself, but I am actually qualified PT as well. Um, So I did that part-time for... um, Around two years on top of my full time gig before I kind of got to a point where I just needed to take some time back for myself, and then that's kind. Of, I kind of then you know started doing the cross training train, and then kind of you know my energy went into that. Then and I just didn't have the time. Like I would, have, I always would say like if there was thirty hours in the day, I'd love to be a PT because then I'd have enough time for everything else. But yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> something kind of something kind of had to give. But when I when I was doing the PT stuff, it really um probably more than actually programming for people and you know uh it like taking them through their session. I really enjoyed the kind of um part part of the, the gig that like kind of tapping into people's mindset and you know understanding the psychology um around why people kind of do what they do and their relationship with food and how they look at their bodies and all of that. So that I suppose made me more in tune then to kind of just just listening to, to stuff and, and and then yeah and I guess then it just like I think then sober kind of podcast and that kind of thing just became of interest to me just because it wasn't kind of I, I was thinking to myself okay I need to keep something on the go here to keep myself grounded it was just like out of pure kind of interest really and mm. and, and and as I, said, I like I've listened to most of the people now on your your podcast I actually listened to two yesterday because <laughs> I listened I listened on my way into work it was about half an hour drive so I listened to half um on the way and then half on the way home then I put on another one and so it's just it's, it's kind of just really comforting or something to, to to listen to because I think at the time maybe when I stopped uh even though I felt like I did enough enough things kind of to hold me up or you know prop me up or to support me or whatever um I kind of wish maybe at that point I realized that I wasn't alone or or that you know there's so many people out there in a very similar scenario Mm -hmm. you know where they're kind of going to themselves well I don't think I'm an alcoholic but like I definitely Mm -hmm. have some issues you know and it would have been probably nice and comforting at the time probably if I had maybe like delved into like podcasts and on Instagram a little bit more Mm -hmm. to help myself but you know, I just, that's not how it went, but, uh, it is great though that there is so much out there. Um, it really is, you know, I I think it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's it's way more out in the open now, I think. And, you know, um, all of even all the zero zero stuff in the supermarkets and everything. It's just, you know, it's fantastic really that there's, you know, you, you can go into a bar now and ask for a non-alcoholic beer and they won't look at you like your three heads. Like, do you know what I yes. mean? And yeah. they're like, well, we have 10 different types. What do you want? Yeah, you know, that's, that's right. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. That's right. It's like, I was in London the other night and I went into a, a, a really nice bar in London and, um, I looking at the uh, alcohol-free options and I would just all these spirits and alcohol-free martini, which I didn't even I didn't even know you could get alcohol-free martini. So I said, oh, Okay, great. And and what a you know, they let me taste it in a nice little glass and I sort of taste it and thought, Oh god, yeah, that does taste a bit like the martini I used to drink when I yeah. was 16. And <laughs> And then I said, oh, well, how do people have it? And they said, oh, with, with a bit of um, soda water on an elderflower. And I said, okay, I'll have it with soda and elderflower and some of that mint. Because I, I just yeah. know those sorts of flavors work well together. It was really nice, you know. And it was, it, what a change, really. Because you yeah. just wouldn't get that. Even, even a few years ago, I don't think that, that it would have been that prevalent. And it wouldn't have been, like wow. you say, as, as normalized. It is getting more normalized now. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think, in fact, as well, at some point this year, and I don't know the numbers on it now, but I know earlier this year um, that the online, that the best selling online beer was Lucky Saints. And it was, I think it was an Ocado or, or a Waitrose um list or something that you know it was a feature of somewhere and that Lucky Saint was number one and to think that Lucky Saint is actually a zero beer and it's the best yeah. outperforming all the other beers in the country I just thought wow that's that's incredible yeah yeah um, so talking about um you know talking about your journey there what would you say have been the most difficult parts of of removing alcohol yeah
1: I put a good bit of thought into this question as well and and really this mightn't be the right answer, but I think that the the hardest part was how long it took me to get to day one because, you know, I I tried so many times, um, you know, that, well, thinking what's the right thing to do here and, you know, trying those couple of times in in Sydney um, to stop and then, you know, um, just trying to moderate, like it's so exhausting like when, you know, like some people you know and I, I've heard you mention this as well on, on on your show like they can moderate and like great like hats off to them um you know and I used to think oh like they're so like I wish I could be like that you know I'm so envious now I'm like I don't care like as in you know if they enjoy a drink great like you know leave them off um it's it's not part of my life anymore and that's just how I look at it very black and white you know um I think that for when I used to think about stopping drinking, I'd think to myself that I was going to be missing out, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. that I'd be thinking, well, you know, oh, well, maybe it's just something I have to do. I felt so sad about it because I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm not going to be the same person. I'm going to be missing something. I'm going to be, you know, not be, not be able to have all the fun everybody's having. And, you know, like, so, come like that was such a long road of, of getting to the point where I just knew like I know you said before as well and that when you woke up you just had this like deep knowing and so that was the same for me I just knew but then as the time went on and you know weeks turned into months and months and now turned into years you like it. Like, I feel so lucky to know that it, you're not missing anything. <laughs> like, no, you just, exactly. you, get, you, you yes. gain so much, like you gain yes. so much from not having it. So yes. I wish, you know, that you could, I suppose, instill that belief yes. in people when yes. they first set out on their journey and, and yes. really assure them. You know, and because, like, like, I'm sure people tell themselves that when they start, they, oh, you know, there has to be more to life. And, okay, yeah, like, I, I'm I'm sure I'll, I'll I'll gain. But I wish that I could, like, instill what I know now and what I believe mm-hmm. in the people that are trying to stop or that, that have stopped and are only at the beginning, kind of, because, yeah, I just feel so lucky kind of knowing what I know now. And it's so mad to think back to what I used to think, you know,
0: Um, Or what I I used to believe. It's so funny. I I just, I connect so strongly with what you're saying. And I I try to say this in my group calls every week. This work that you're doing now, you know, people are on day 30 or day 55 or day 100. I say, you won't have to do this work forever. This is just what you're doing now. Like all these uncomfortable feelings and all the FOMO and just feeling like, you're never going to have fun again and all those things that you, that just feel so heavy at first, yes. like it won't last. You no. will get, and they said to me, one of the questions they asked at the end of the um, call last night is one of the ladies said, um, Terry, at at four years, um, do you you know do you ever get a craving or do you ever miss it? I say I don't. I never, no. never do, and I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. You know, I'm not yeah. I'm just saying that. You know, it's, I no. genuinely, I have got to the point where my my default now for alcohol is just that it's disgusting. It is. Yeah. It it adds nothing to my life. I don't gain anything. I see alcohol as the thing that robs joy, and it takes from you, and it it ruins things. It doesn't bring anything, and that for me, that is very black and white in my mind. But I was like you, like and and like everyone else in the beginning, I literally felt like I could. How can I ever stop drinking? you know, I thought that I loved wine so much, you know, wine was yeah. being like, I remembered saying, God, I love wine <laughs> so much. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I just, you know, and now I look back at that version of myself and I just think, I feel so lucky that I sorted out that version of myself and that I'm not yeah. in that place anymore. And that I'm not that person, but I agree with you. It's always like you want to be able to fast track people from yeah. that point to the point where they just they're standing you know on that island they're looking over at the other island that they used to be on that's sort yeah. of kind of like carnage and just in a gross state and you know they're in this lovely nice new island where they're coping with life and they just don't need drinking and you just want to be able to just quickly get a boat don't worry yeah. about it but I suppose in a lot of ways, it's a bit like when you train for a degree, right? You have to do the four years or the three years, and 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 then you 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 qualify and you train and you know that subject really well. You've got to go through that slow bit, you know? You've got to go through yeah. it to get the joy and the reward. But, yeah, I agree with you so much. I, I have to say to people, you've got to just trust the process. Like, you need yeah. to have the belief because if you believe that you can get there and that you will get that, you know, you'll get to where I am or where you are – um then you will get there but it just it just you know we don't know how much time that takes it's different for everyone yeah Um, but you know for you you're there at three years I'm here at four years I was here as well at three years I I was probably here I don't know it it changes like for me I think I felt quite early on I'm never going to drink again I knew that I would never drink again now, yes. was that easier to know that? Well, no, of course not, because I still had to worry about FOMA. I still, I still struggled. I still had fear about Christmas. I still was scared to go on holidays, and I still thought that I wasn't going to get, you know, I was going to lose a lot of things, but I still knew I wasn't going to drink again. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. so I, I kind of knew it, but I still had to go down the same corridor as as everyone else that gets to this place and so I think that's it, it it is the challenge isn't it for people to jump into sobriety well I think what you said about how long it took to get to day one I, I really feel that too I think I was trying to moderate for over 10 years thinking yeah I shouldn't yeah. be doing this I know like-
1: <laughs> I know like I used to kind of be like okay I'm only gonna have whatever I'm only going to have four drinks I'm going to have six drinks and like you know you think at the time you know at the start of your night or whatever like well I can well I can count to six so this like I can do this I'm pretty sure I can I can you know but then you can't because like you get to the sixth drink and your judgment is impaired and you're making decisions you know and yeah like it's just it's and and yeah it's just accepting that you know the 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 simple way to look at it is that, you know, I, I can't, I can't moderate. I can't,
0: mm. I,
1: I, you know, it's, it's just, and like a lot of other people you've had on, I'm very much an all or nothing person yes. similar to yourself as well. So, yes. you
0: know,
1: it, that's just the way it goes. Um, you yes. Know, yeah.
0: So. And, and it's also as well, like it's such an, the moderation thing is so interesting. It's so complex, but I always think now that it's not, you know, it's not just about, trying to moderate or, you know, trying to manage how you're drinking and how many numbers of drinks and how many nights you're drinking, you know, but it's like, ask yourself why you want to moderate, you know, because there's so much mental effort in moderating it. You know, when you're trying to moderate, it is literally taking over your life. Whether you know it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, maybe some people listen to this podcast and only just having that light bulb moment that like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm actually, (laughs) you know, you're obsessing about alcohol. You're obsessing about not drinking too much not having too many nights when you go to that thing on friday this is what you're going to drink this is what you're going to try and stick to da, 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 da. when yeah. you go and it's just like the build up you're thinking about it all the way through you're thinking about it on the night you're then hitting the fuck it button because your brain your, your prefrontal cortex is shutting down and so you can't make decisions proper decisions anymore and so it kind of all goes out the window because that's yeah. what happens to your brain And then it's all the mental gymnastics afterwards. Why did I do that? I thought I could do this. I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to write a new list. I'm going to think harder. You know, how much time is that taking? Why do you want that? Why do you want that? What do you think you're gaining that is worth that effort? It's, you know, and that's the thing that people struggle with, I think. They just focus, they hyper-focus on getting better at drinking and getting better at moderation they don't question why the bloody hell they even want to do that uh, I know yeah so it's yeah it's tricky um so kind of flipping that then what is what you talk about the positives what have you got now that you didn't have
1: yeah so I was like I, I thought about this as well like the 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 biggest um well sorry not the biggest but the first thing to mention is like just complete and utter self-assurance and you know just self-belief and uh clarity you know being able to be open and honest with myself and everyone around me um you know it's just I, I am a completely different person to to who I was before you know um I, I like it was always holding me back in my training as well um you know it was always kind of like you know I'd be in the I'd be in the gym or you know I like I'm so dedicated to my training always but you know say Tuesday Wednesday morning I'm up I'm in the gym at 6am um you know and like working hard but I'd be thinking to myself well you know like I could be doing better here if I wasn't you know a bit hungover still from the weekend or you know it was always taken from me in that sense and now (laughs) I'm not saying I'm an elite athlete or anything but like you know I, I I I at least I can put my all into my training Mm. and know that it's my all
0: and that, you know,
1: I'm not kind of second guessing. Well, you know, could I be better if I didn't Mm. drink or, you know, it's, it's just like, it's, it's so uh, refreshing and so relieving to be able to just Mm. have that freedom as well, because it does like it, 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 as you said yourself, it it just, it takes for me, it, it destroys things. You know, it like for me, like my confidence. Even though on the outside I would have come across as quite a confident person, I wasn't, and it was because, you know, each time that I'd beat myself up when I'd be hungover, you know, or kind of say, like, you know, the narrative in my head was so negative, kind of, you know, that that obviously then has an effect the longer it goes on, and you know, so where I was at in my head compared to where I am now is just like, <laughs> like it's like chalk and cheese, and um, you know, so. Like I, I like and I'd say like since I moved home from Sydney um, you know, right up until now, I'm I'm home uh five years. So I moved home in twenty eighteen. Like the growth that I've had in those five years and particularly when I stopped drinking is you know, massive. Um, you know, and so and, and I just above all else, as I said, I just feel so lucky because, you know, I, I like I'm like, even you know say if you're in to see the GP or you know if you're in hospital or whatever and you've got to take a tick form that asks you you know how many units of alcohol do you drink and <laughs> I so smugly tick zero like I'm so Same. smug about that because I'm like before I would have probably made something up and I know people always lie on that yeah, would be like,
0: lying like, I would be lying oh definitely definitely yeah. 14 units and,
1: and I don't have to lie because it's zero yeah. and you know it's just it's so nice it's, it just you just feel you know and it's not that I'm kind of I I I there's no judgment um you know on people that that do drink at all from me you know because I I I envied them for so long I don't anymore but it's just you know they drink I don't drink and Mm -hmm. you know it's that's that's just how I look at it kind of you know
0: um yeah but it's almost like it's I know what you mean it's it's not um you're allowed to feel smug about it but it's not smug because you're kind of against other people and you want to be better than other people. It's for yourself. It's the relationship that you have now with yourself. But for me, I used to feel a lot of shame about, you know, knowing in my head, answering those sorts of questions that I was, I was over drinking yeah. And I was about to lie. And it's just so nice to be congruent and to be authentic and to be 100% kind of like, no, I don't drink. And I'm bloody proud of that. Like, I'm just proud of it for me because I yeah. spent a lifetime of feeling shit about yeah. having to lie and about overdrinking. And now I that's not an issue for me. And it's just sometimes those sorts of those sorts of moments are... The reminder of the effort that we have put into ourselves to get ourselves where we are and I I often feel like that in social situations when other people are drinking I'm not judging them or looking down on them I just always feel so lucky that I'm not in the place anymore where I would be drinking more than them, more than likely, going yes. kind of overboard and talking over people and just being in a bloody mess tomorrow. It's just so nice that I have I just have those moments of gratitude and clarity. Even yes. now, I mean, you know, does that ever fade? Because it hasn't for me. I, I think
1: as well, um you just feel so grateful and you appreciate the little things. And I, I know you've spoken about this a lot as well. And, you know, even sometimes when I'm out walking the dog and like I'm listening to the birds or, yes. you know, you're just so yeah. much more in tune to all the little things. And um, the one, I don't know, I can't remember the person's name that on the podcast I was listening that you had on yesterday um, that I was listening to yesterday. Sorry. But you were talking about kind of almost like, you Oh, you, you mentioned something about a quote about uh, time. I think you said about the biggest issue is that we think we've got time or yes. something
0: like that. The yeah. Buddha quote, yeah. That that yeah. quote makes me makes my hair stand on end because yeah. it's it's the problem is you think you have time. Yeah. Wow.
1: It's not it's not to be it's not to be morbid about it, but I think that you know you don't know how much time you have, and you mm. know you really really want to make the most of what you have in front of you now, not kind of like longing for something that's ahead or that you think is ahead for you, like focusing on the here and now, mm-hmm. being grateful for the life that you've built for yourself and, you know, the people that surround you and just living each day kind of to the fullest. And I think, you know, when you're when you're sober, you're, you, you definitely, I don't know, I think your eyes are a little bit more yeah. open to that. I'm not yes. saying that people who drink don't think in that way, but I just think that it's it definitely... It, I don't know, it, it definitely awoke kind of that practice in me to kind of really focus on the here and now and, and, and yes. being grateful kind of thing and, and just living each day kind of almost as if it was your last, not to be morbid, but, you know. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I feel so much more aware of time, so much more. That is something that I look through now with, with you know, it's through the sober lens in a way. Mm. I, I, I didn't have that before. And I think for me, maybe it's a combination of a few things. Getting older. I do think that there is a difference when you're, you know, when you're in your twenties and then you, you, you're in your thirties. And sometimes when you're in your thirties, it's still like being in your extended twenties. And then you get into your forties, and for me, I, I did. I stopped drinking at forty-one. I definitely worried about my health more when I got into my forties, and I just yeah. become, I became more aware of it, more aware of what, what what I'm doing. Not perfect. I could still definitely eat a lot less Mars bars, but <laughs> I you know I I just I feel more aware of what is going on, and I'm more aware of what I want my future self to to be like when it comes to to health you know I I know that the decisions that I make today probably have a you know big impact on what I might be like as a as a grandmother you know for me I had children quite late you know I had my first baby at 35 my second at 37 my third at 43 um yeah. and I still feel very young but for me I've got three daughters now and maybe they will have babies one day maybe they will wait until they're my age to have babies and then I when I do the maths I'm like okay might my, might my, uh, probably be my 80s or my 90s that doesn't worry me I, I think yeah. I can be very strong fit healthy you know I'd be that mad woman with gray hair and red lipstick doing yoga at sunrise and be I'm <laughs> all, all right bring that all on I'm 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 excited yeah. about that phase of my life I'm not afraid of it yeah, but I think as well,
1: it's like we just feel so lucky. That I yeah. think, anyway, you know. So maybe some people don't feel that lucky, you know, as in they're happy in their lives and you know, and they're grateful for what they have. But it's that extra element of God. I'm feel so lucky that I'm not back in that place, and I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm where I am now. It's just, yes. and you, you know, you never forget that. I think, and you know, and for me, that's why I just know, like yourself with my whole heart that I would never touch a drink again because yeah. I just would never ever ever want to be back where I was and yes be that yeah. person and you know and uh, like actually I like I haven't really ever had many people say to me oh would you go back drinking or you know like do you think now you know that you're uh, healed or whatever way you want to look at it that you know you would consider drinking I'm like no like what like it's not worth the risk. I mean, the, the rewards that I have now, why would I, why would I chance that by touching alcohol? Do you know, it just, it's, it's just like, it's unfathomable to me that you would yeah. run that risk of slipping back into those old ways or going back to that dark place. It's just, you know, mm. it, why would you, when you have all of the, you have in front of you that you've worked so hard to get and that you yeah. love so much and that you're so grateful for Like it's, it, it's an no-brainer
0: <laughs> well you you just built a better life yourself yeah um, so moving on to your top three tips then what would be the top three tips for you for people looking to get sober or to stay happily sober yeah so my
1: first one is um to put it simply get help so if you're you know in in a situation where you've recognized that your drinking is problematic or you know um you feel you've got issues or whatever the case you're you're at that point where you've decided that you want to make changes you can't do it alone you know because you're unlearning all of the things that you've i suppose known for as long as since when you first ever picked up a drink so it's it's not really possible i don't think to just go on on that journey solo like you need to have people around you. Um, you know, you may need therapy. Um, I mean, I'm a firm believer in therapy, I think everybody should go to therapy, you know, I think everybody could do with a, a stint in therapy. Um or go to AA or, you know, like go and seek the help that you feel is right for you. Um is, is definitely one of the main things that I would say is is crucial to being successful in getting and staying sober, I think. Um, you know, you need to have people around you that you can trust, that you can talk to, um, that, you know, you can be in a social situation and say to them, listen, like, will you just kind of keep an eye on me or, you know, whatever the case may be. You don't have to go and shout it from the rooftop and tell everybody that you know that you're quitting drinking. But I definitely think, you know, even if it's a small circle of people that you, you kind of speak to or kind of, you know, lean on for support, I I just think that that's so important. For me that was my family and then my like therapy as well yes. um so yeah um and the second thing then I would say is that you need to do the work so you need to work on yourself and work on your why so it's well and good kind of coming to the realization that you know something needs to change uh you can have all the willpower in the world you know you can put all the different measures in place but like you really really I think need to do the work to get a better understanding of why maybe that you had the issue or you know what goes on when you drink in you know you may never come to some big clean cut solution or sorry conclusion but like I think it's really important to to work on on the understanding of, of you know why maybe that you had the the problematic relationship where it stemmed from mm-hmm. um and then to kind of focus on your why in that because well I think when you get to that understanding that kind of lines up then your like the understanding of why you need to then continue on the road that you're on do you know um mm-hmm. if that makes sense I don't know if that makes sense
0: yeah but it also guides you to where you need to focus on as well because um, people drink for a reason and it is more than just habit. Like habit is a part of it, but yeah. there is underlying reasons why people drink and a lot of those yeah. point back to very similar places, which is not coping very well yeah something or with life or you know situations or relationships whatever it ourselves whatever it is and yeah when if you can understand what what the reasons are for drinking you can start to become more aware of how to change them and and to fix them
1: yeah well I think that's the root of it and i and like and and you know, I kind of um, draw a comparison with like working with people when I was, you know, working as a PT with like it's, it's well and good to give people like a six week program or, you know, here's this eating plan, eat this for breakfast, lunch and dinner. But like if they've got some, you know, um, poor kind of behaviors or, you know, if they've got bad relationship with food, well, they're never really going to overcome that unless they kind of mm-hmm. go and look at, you know, the root cause and, you yes. know, they're. You know, that's the only way to kind of make effective long term changes, I I kind of think. Um, And then the third thing, the third thing that I would say is, uh, again, to put it simply, find a hobby or find something that's going to replace, you know, um, and it doesn't have to be one thing, you know, you can find different activities to get involved in different things to different you know because well for, for me I like the training was always there for me so I didn't really have to go looking very far um or looking very hard to kind of find something it just you know set me free essentially and and, and you know to to really focus on my training and, and that's so what I would say you know people when they stop drinking obviously there's that hole that they need to fill um you know and I mean, you might have spent a lot of your weekend, your, a lot of your weekend might have revolved around drinking or even your, you know, your evenings during the week um, on school nights when you're up for work the next day. So, you know, I would say if, join a class, like push yourself out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. because, you know, when you go to things like this, you meet new people and you meet like-minded people as well and that can all kind of aid you in your, uh, you know, in, 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 in continuing on your journey and staying sober and, like, I think as well, like it's really important, particularly at the beginning to like make plans, like have things to look forward to for yourself, like, you know, have fun things in the diary for the weekend or book a holiday or, you know, but things that, you know, are not going to be daunting kind of, particularly in the early days, I would say. So like, Don't plan a night out with your friends, you know, or kind of, you know, put yourself in those situations that you know you're going to be uncomfortable in. Do other things. Go to the cinema. Go out. Like, go on a hike. Go off, you know, go to a museum. Go do other things that you wouldn't have even considered doing when you were drinking because you were too busy, you know, planning your weekend or sitting in a pub all day or being hungover. Mm -hmm. You know, I think because the more of those kind of things you have planned, they do serve as a distraction, I think, but then equally, they open your mind up to what you've been missing all along. And, you know, all the all the things that you could be doing with your time that don't revolve around drink.
0: Yeah, such good advice. Love those. Really good. Um, so if you're open to us um, following your journey, where can we find you? um i'm on instagram i don't really post anything about being sober but i was kind of th- I was thinking maybe i should
1: um but uh I'm, I'm i'm just a i hennessy so my surname is hennessy so h-e-n-n-e-s-s-y so a i hennessy is my instagram name um but i mostly just post about crossfit and my dog <laughs> um but uh yeah no it's um It's been really great coming on and I've really enjoyed it. I'm sorry. God, I didn't think we'd be chatting for this long, Terry. I know.
0: (laughs) No, it's been lovely. No, it's been really, really nice. I'm super grateful for having you on and yeah, thank you so much for sharing everything and I hope you have a really lovely celebration for your three years. Uh, you yeah
1: i will I, I'll, I'll definitely plan something and congrats on your four years as well thank um,
0: you
1: yeah and thanks so much for having me on again I, I i really appreciate it Um like i said it's a bit of a, a milestone for me Um so thanks Emil.
0: oh absolute pleasure and thank you to everybody else thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.